they present I'm Sorry I Haven't a Clue, the antidote to panel games. At the piano is Colin Sell and your chairman is Humphrey Littleton. Hello and welcome to I'm Sorry I Haven't a Clue. You join us this week amid the Regency splendour of Royal Tunbridge Wells in the county of Kent. The area suffered a decline in the 16th century when a weak and vulnerable populace was cruelly exploited at the hands of a number of landed families. There were the Natchbulls of Merson and the Sackvilles of Knoll, but things worsened still with the arrival of the notorious Alders of Croydon. <laughs> Tunbridge Wells proper was founded in 1606 when natural springs were discovered here and the town's mattress industry began. <laughs> During the 17th century, the town began to welcome the well heeled due to the absence of shoe repair shops. <laughs> Many arrived to take the restorative mineral waters and even King Charles I came here hoping to cure his chronic dandruff. a problem that was eventually served by major surgery. <laughs> After which, Royal Appointment was awarded to his regular brand of shampoo, which was specially renamed, and shoulders. <laughs> The elegance of the spa years lives on in the area known as the Pantiles, a colonnaded walkway named after the pavement of clay tiles. After her son slipped and fell there, Queen Anne famously paid for Tunbridge Wells to be provided with stone flags. But since no one could get them up the poles, they ended up on the floor. <laughs> In 1735 saw the arrival here of Beau Nash, who appointed himself Master of Ceremonies and formulated some strict rules of etiquette. These included which fork you picked your nose with, <laughs> and that a gentleman should always take his hat off if a lady walks past the window he's urinating out of. For centuries, the main industry here was the production of hops. As a consequence, the countryside is scattered with many oast houses where Kent's traditional rural crafts are still practiced, such as tarting them up and flogging them off for three-quarters of a million <laughs> During the Second World War, Kent was under the main flight path to London for German aircraft, and Tunbridge Wells was heavily bombed. But the Luftwaffe aren't alone in coming here to bomb heavily. Let's meet the teams. <laughs> On my left, Barry Cryer and Graham Garden. <laughs> and on my right, Tim Brooke Taylor and Jack D. <laughs> and please welcome the lovely lady whose enthusiasm and eagerness to score makes things easy for us. The delightful Samantha. <laughs> Okay, let's get on with it. I don't, want to be, I don't want to be here all night. Actually, I don't want to be here at all. 
We start with a round of missed hits. Possibly the most important element in selling a show is the title. One prime example is Waking the Dead, or as we know it, the continuity announcement straight after quote-unquote. <laughs> Please to suggest films, books, and TV or radio shows that flopped for want of a decent title. Barry, you can start. Uh, the Mattress Reloaded. <laughs> Graham. The Inedibles. <laughs> Tim. Strictly Come Spanking. <laughs> Jack. Oh, look, here's Godot. Shakespeare in Hove. <laughs> My dad's the Home Secretary. <laughs> Lady Windermere's Pan. <laughs> the National Pottery. If I'm a celebrity, what am I doing here? <laughs> Snickers man. <laughs> there was a missed one in Wales, Dial M for Mercer. Punch and Judy with Richard. <laughs> the gangs of New Malden. Okay, in this next round, the teams will take turns to play the parts of doctors and their patients. The patients will be suffering from an obscure condition which the medical team should try to diagnose. Ironically, Tim has recently contracted an unusual ailment. He went snow blind after flicking through his bookings diary. <laughs> and coincidentally, Barry recently endured a difficult operation on his knees but he eventually managed to get his key in the front door. Okay. We're going to start with you, Tim and Jack. You're suffering from an unusual medical complaint and have just been called for your appointment by doctors Barry and Graham. You must outline your symptoms to them and they will be awarded points based on how accurately they're able to diagnose your condition. The identity of your complaint is now being displayed to our theatre audience via the laser display screen. For listeners at home, here's the mystery voice. Tim and Jack think that they're teenagers. Tim and Jack think that they're teenagers. Right, Tim and Jack, start outlining your complaint now, please. <clears throat> now, what seems to be the trouble? As if you'd care... What do you think, Jack? It's, it's not really a problem as no. such. No. Good. Next, please. <laughs> that, that is so typical of typical. you. <laughs> we don't want to be here in the first place. Especially anyway. if you don't care. No. There's a feeling of rejection about mm. here, isn't there? Yes. Oh, not why don't we just forget about the whole yeah, thing? Okay. Not... Goodbye. Nobody understands them, I don't think. No. This is their belief. They don't seem to feel appreciated or loved, do they? Low self-esteem mm. may be involved in this, I think. And quite right, too, if you ask me. Yes, indeed. <laughs> well, 
are we there yet? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a childish quality about Oh, you are... Oh, yeah. oh, you oh. are such sad doctors. <laughs> <laughs> you could be almost teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> OK, your turn to be the patients now, Barry and Graham. The identity of your mystery medical condition will now be displayed to the audience via the laser display board. Well, here again is the mystery voice for listeners at home. Barry and Graham suffer from a fear of Anton Deck. A fear of Anton Deck. So, tell us a little bit about yourselves. Well, it's right. I'd like to say that we're not imagining it. <laughs> it, it it's, it's real. real. It is real. <laughs> It's the last year or so, but it's become progressive and it's, it's and building it's... up. Sometimes we feel there's no way out, there's no escape. We just... <laughs> we're trapped in it. It's, yeah. We're desperate. It's hard to avoid. Exactly. Yeah. And you, can't, you can't shift them. Where can you go next? No, the the no. authorities don't care, do they? They don't care. We yeah. don't. The so encouraging thing is we've found out we're not alone. People yeah. are forming support groups. <laughs> I mean, they're ashamed to admit they've got them, but, you know, once you own up, you've got them in the house. So, is yeah, you, yeah. are we talking a, a, a phobia of some sort here that's... Have you seen? Well, yes. Well... But with good reason. It's not irrational. Well, in a word, what's your problem? <laughs> <laughs> Worth a try. Is it a, is it a, a phobia of animals or of heights or of, what is it? Uh, ghosts. Uh, insects, what do you got? Neighbours. In, insects is close. Fear of insects. Yes. Is it a common thing? It, oh, it's yeah. widespread now. Never know where they're going to pop up next. <laughs> you say, so there are more, of, more than one of them? Mm. Yes. Yeah. Are yeah. there a lot more than one of them? Well, no. You, you never see one to on the its own. tune of one. <laughs> there are two of them. Two you insects. Got it. Two insects. Well. Well, no, that's rather harsh phraseology. <laughs> so, one insect. Oh, one insect. Okay. <laughs> Um, Anton Deck, Anton Deck. Deck. We move on to a round that's all about advertising, slogans and jingles. Oh. I'm actually quite an aficionado of TV commercials and I particularly used to enjoy that one featuring those monkeys dressed in human clothes. You know, the ones who used to advertise quick fit. <laughs> Teams, I've brought along a selection of incomplete advertising slogans from past and present, and to test your advertising knowledge, I'd like you to supply the missing endings. Okay, we'll start with you, Tim. Can you complete the following well-known advertising slogan? Only the crumbliest, flakiest... People take part in I'm a celebrity. Get me out of this <laughs> Well, the correct answer is chocolate. Tastes like chocolate never tasted before. Your turn, Barry. How about this one? Eight out of ten owners said their cats... From the back look like pencil sharpness. <laughs> well, the real answer is prefer it. <laughs> Jack, can you finish off this one? You're never alone with a... Stalker. This is going back a bit. Strand. How about this one, Graham? The stain says hot, the label says... 
Don't believe the talking stain. <laughs> Audience, what's the answer? Not yes, of course. Okay, here are some for anyone to have a go at. It's too orangey for crows, it's just for Robert Kilroy Silk. <laughs> Of me and my dog. You wonder where the yellow went when you wash your bed sheets. <laughs> the answer, of course, is brush your teeth with Pepsodent. And how about this one? Churchill, surprisingly passionate about half past eight. <laughs> In my experience, the answer is insurance. Here's one. See the face you love light up with... Nay palm olive shaving gel. <laughs> the answer is... Terry's all gold. Hands that do dishes can feel soft as your face with... Pond's face hardening cream. <laughs> Mild green fairy liquid is the answer. <laughs> Milky Way, the sweet you can eat between meals without losing your... Precious place in the dinner queue, fatty. <laughs> <laughs> the, answer, the answer is appetite. And finally, do you love someone enough to give them... Chlamydia. That was a public information joke. <laughs> the boring answer is your last Rolo. OK, in the next round, the teams will take turns to play the parts of characters from history. It's what we call typecasting. <laughs> Their task is to take us back to the golden age of letter writing. It was a time when the likes of Samuel Pepys would sit at his writing desk with an array of quill pens and gaze out of the window for inspiration from the flocks of bald pigeons. <laughs> Tim and Jack will start by composing a letter from David Beckham to Posh Spice. And then Barry and Graham will come up with the reply and so on. However, the challenge is that the letters must be constructed by each panellist alternating one word at a time. Immediately after one team has signed off their letter, the opposing team should begin to compose their reply. And when I honk my horn, it's the end of the correspondence. Oh, no. <laughs> I nearly peaked too soon. <laughs> off you go, Tim and Jack. Dear Victoria, I am... I Having a wonderful time here writing to you. <laughs> but I wish you were here with me wherever you think I am. <laughs> Love from David. 
dear Dave, <laughs> thank you for your letter, but I do have to insist that you come home immediately or I will institute <laughs> a legal and <laughs> binding yet accommodating order to compel you to return my <laughs> kaftan and my dictionary. <laughs> Yours, Hush. <laughs> says here, I say, let's do another one. <laughs> this time we'll examine the lost correspondence between God and Adam. And you can start us off this time, please. Barry and Graham. Dear Adam, how are you? <laughs> Hoping... David Beckham is God. <laughs> Hoping... Your point being... <laughs> What was your last one? Hoping this finds you as it leaves me. <laughs> I would like to point out that the current bylaws <laughs> prohibit apple appropriation and furthermore the taking of any photographs <laughs> of each one when they are in a compromising <laughs> yet <laughs> understandable position in flagrante <laughs> in the Garden of Eden. Must dash <laughs> cheers for now your faithful mate God. Dear God. <laughs> That really necessary because I am not going to eat the apple in the garden which you kindly keep up <laughs> in the tree. Eve is presently not very well. She fancies the apple. <laughs> and I don't. <laughs> want to 
encourage such activity with your serpent. <laughs> knowing that that is not what you want. want. <laughs> there are a few, few typos in the letter. <laughs> anyway... Where do you get fig leaves? <laughs> also, might you suggest uh, an alternative form of clothing which we can wear on Sundays <laughs> and look like nice people? <laughs> I usually do this on my own. Lots of love and kisses, <laughs> respectfully, Adam. The teams are going to sing for us now. <laughs> in the round called Just a Minim, in which the teams attempt to sing well-known songs without hesitation, deviation, boutros, boutros, gali, or repetition. <laughs> This is a musical version of the long-running Wiley's favourite, Just a Minute, and if you think that's wackily hilarious, well, this is really something else. <laughs> the show's host is the incomparable Nicholas Parsons, the reason so many loyal listeners swear by their radios. <laughs> piano, accompaniment, piano accompaniment will be provided by Colin Sell. Actually, listeners will be impressed to learn that back in the 60s, Colin asked Mick Jagger and Keith Richards if he could take the place of Brian Jones. They said yes and threw him in the swimming pool. Okay, the song I'd like you to sing without hesitation, deviation or repetition is Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. And I'd like you to start, please, Barry. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. Dangle down, fragrant vehicle, arriving to convey me to my domicile. I looked over Jordan. De deviation, looking over Jordan. <laughs> Peter Andre. Yeah, I didn't think you could look over George. <laughs> I'll certainly accept that. Carry on then, Tim. Oh, God. And what did I see to pick me up and take me back? A band of angels coming after me, arriving and escorting me, chez moi. Barry. A lot of me's. Me, 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 typical. <laughs> Adjudication, please, Hum. Yes, carry on, Jack. <laughs> Swing low, sweet chariot. Oscillate near the ground. Nice car. <laughs> Go on, give it some. <laughs> Taking me back to my place. 
If you get there before I do, dragging me to my pad, tell all my mates I'm arriving too. Drop me off at my house. Well, it's very nearly the end of the show, but there's just time left for a round of Grumpy Songbook. (laughs) Samantha tells me she has to nip off to meet her new gentleman friend who's been ringing her all day in a grumpy mood. Despite being very busy, Samantha says she can always find time to handle his testy calls. is attending to that, I'd like you please, teams, to suggest titles of songs likely to suit a grumpy audience. Graham, will you start, please? <laughs> hey, you, get off my cloud. Sorry. <laughs> Strangers in the night, I've got me shotgun. Tim, I want a whiter shade of pale. I don't like Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays. Once, twice, three times to the lavvy. <laughs> Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, my arse. My arse, you say? My corns and bunions have never been worse. I'm frail, I've got bladder problems and bad breath. I'm super callous, fragile, cystic, (laughs) exhaling halitosis. Long in whining mode. (laughs) Frown Town by Petulant Clark. (laughs) Strop in the name of love. (laughs) I'm going to sit right down and write the council a letter. Born to be vile. <laughs> Mona Lisa. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, Eleanor <laughs> Bloody Rigby. <laughs> 76 sore bones. Where's the Lucas, eh? Half a sixpence. What the bloody use is that? <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, as the cowboy of time surveys the range of infinity, and the housewife of doom is shocked by a bill of 90 quid an hour to fix the cooker of fate. <laughs> I notice it's the end of the show. So from the team, Samantha, myself, and the good folk of Tunbridge Wells, it's goodbye. <laughs> Barry Fryer, Graham Garden, Tim Brooke Taylor and Jack Dee were being given silly things to do by Humphrey Littleton, with Colin Sell setting some of them to music. The programme consultant was Ian Pattinson, and the producer was John Naismith. And you can hear that again on Sunday, just after midday. And if you can't wait that long, well, there's an edition from 1999 about to start over on BBC Seven.